podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Well, guys, hi, and welcome to another episode of the Nina Casa Show. Uh, one of those rare occasions where you will not find me deflated, upset, agitated and frustrated. Quite the contrary, actually. I'm really riled up. Just catching my breath. Oh, my God. Trust the Reds to deliver against the informed team. Not in the Premier League, but in Europe. It finished 1-0 at Anfield. Mo Salah delivering the goods. So much drama, so many feisty moments and, you know, just so much to take in. And like, like I said, I can't catch my breath. And I'm sure you're exactly the same. And, um, I guess what I'm going to do is introduce my guests because, um, uh, they've got to keep me grounded. And, uh, first up, let me introduce my first guest. It is Kay, Kaylon Kareem. Kay, welcome back. Hey, Nins. Thanks very much. There's absolutely no chance, none at all. We are going to bring you down to earth. That was absolutely incredible. I, I just, just you, can, you can never tell with these reds. It is what a ridiculous game. I am so tired, but so absolutely happy. Get in. Oh my God. I can't wait to talk about this. I know, I know. And listeners should be aware, before we recorded, me and Kay had a good old little scream and like jogged on the spot. And we were so excited just waiting for our next guest <laughs> to come on. And all our excellent, excellent uh, listeners who are joining us live on Discord and joining Kay. Oh, this is going to be a good one. I've got a lineup for you. Tactical genius, Calzaria. It is Mr. Mo Chatra. Mo, welcome back. Thank you. And all I've got to say in the words of the Nature Boy, Rich Flair, what? That was brilliant. Oh, my word. <laughs> and against my favourite it. football team in the world as well, Manchester oh, City, I... and all those many fans on, on Twitter who like to slag me off all the time, that was for you people. There you Absolutely. go. Absolutely. Uh, but you know what? In, on, on the flip side, though, they do keep you really busy in terms of the content that you produce and, of course, um, the, the threads that you kind of the viral threads that go on on Twitter and things. But yeah, let's get into this. But guys, I, I do have a caller, but before I go to the caller, oh my God. I mean, what's your overall feeling over this? Because when before the game started, obviously we've got a little chat group and we were all a little bit mortified by seeing a certain player's name enter the team sheet, <laughs> given the fact that where we are and like obviously like not the best of seasons so far. So, I mean, it's just a complete raw reversal in terms of what, what we kind of produce on here. But I am just like, whoa, you know, like the fact that we beat them and kind of showed people that it can be done. And yeah, it wasn't easy. And, you know, Liverpool really had to fight deep and hard and everything had to be spot on. But just, oh, the elevation of that. I mean, how do you guys feel? Kay, you first? I tell you what, Nins, I was... I, I, to be honest, before the game, I mean, we were chatting in the group, Nins. I, I, I had 
booked to come on the pod a long, you know, a while ago. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, you know, as as I approached, I was like, "This is this was not a good idea. I'm not going to feel good <laughs> doing this pod later." Um, City are just in atrociously good form. Haaland mm-hmm. is absolutely scoring for fun. The brainer is just being the brainer. It, it's ridiculous. Like at the moment, they look so untouchable. You know, there's there's talk of them walking the league. There's talk of them doing Champions League and everything. And Liverpool stuttering. You know, I know the last game we you know we we done well against Rangers and and you know, had a couple of good results. But you just worry with all the stuff happening in the beginning of the season. Our defense looking so bad. Our midfield looking so porous. You kind of feared for us a little bit, and I totally understood all the trepidation that was going around social media. I myself was just such a wreck of nerves. I've ne- I mean, it's been such a long time since I felt so sick before a game that I thought I was going to throw my stomach up. Honestly, it, 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 was, it was that hectic. It was that bad. And then, you know, and as the game went on and things got a bit better, you know, you're holding in that hope. <laughs> it's, it, you're holding it in. You say, oh, you know, it could be, but I don't want you know, to say anything too much. And what I can tell you, Nins, every WhatsApp group I was in, until Liverpool scored the goal, was empty. Nobody said one word. Not one person was going to jinx it. And I got to say, my whole LFC family, that, that, was, that was good looking out. That was really well done. We did it and we got there in the end. Absolutely outstanding. Absolutely. And um, how was your emotional roller coaster today and the build-up to this game, uh, Mo? Well, you know what, uh, Nina? You know, I, I love playing Man City. I really do. I mean, yeah, they're, they're you know, a club with dubious aspects to them, to put it mildly. And, you know, I don't have much time for some sections of their fan base. But, you know, I was quite optimistic. And that was actually why I volunteered um, to take part on the Nina Casa show today, as well as obviously the chance to talk to you, your great self. So that goes without saying. But, you know, I was cautiously optimistic um, for the last several weeks. So I thought, look, you know, we've been in an atrocious run of form. You know, there's inquest going on all over the shop, even from me included, about why we are um, in the position we're in and why we've started off so poorly this season. But I just have this sneaking feeling that come um, this day of the 16th of October against Manchester City at Anfield, um, you know, 4.30 kickoff, I just felt that irrespective of form, we would show up, we would turn up and we would stick it to these people. And, you know, one nil was a scoreline, but it on another day could easily have been three or four. You know, we had some big chances. Obviously, we'll come on to that later on. But um, I, I thought we put in an absolutely fantastic performance today overall. Yes, I mean, there were elements of our performance that, you know, could have obviously been better. But overall, you know, all, the, all those uh, guys on the pitch, they stepped up massively. And um, it was a delight to see. And on top of that, I thought Anfield played its part superbly. The atmosphere was as great as it's been for a long, long time. So, you know, that that was a classic Anfield um, uh, almost night. (laughs) You know, it's it's gone dark already. So, yeah, it it was just um, one of those games that, you know, will definitely live in the memory. 
It certainly, certainly will. And listeners, just listening to my chat for there as well, you know, the optimist. Um, I think the moral of the story here is um, a faith. It can move mountains and the lack of it can create them. I will never, ever doubt them, but it's hard given the seasons we had. But um, I love your optimism more. And I love the fact that you signed on to this show because I actually thought we were going to get absolutely slaughtered. Right, guys, let's get into this. We have our first caller. We've got plenty of the game to talk about. So I'm going to go to our first caller, a familiar voice on the Nina Kauser show, it, you know, so I'm really excited to hear from him because hopefully he's in a much, much better mood than what I've usually been dealing with. And, you know, rightly so. It's Kieran. Kieran, welcome back. Thank you very much. It's nice to hear you all perky again. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you. Yep, the floor is yours. Take it away. What would you like to share? What would you like to put out there? You know, I was just saying that it was a, a massive, massive, massive one. Um you know, I think this is probably the kind of result we needed, I think, after we've been in pretty dismal form domestically this season. Um, you know, it wasn't going well, but I just think that today was probably a result we needed. I certainly don't think we were going to get it because, you know, the way we've been playing, the way they've been playing, um, I thought it would have been a very, very difficult game, which it was, obviously, but it would have been difficult to get a result. But I thought the last on a terrific shift and I thought it was... It was definitely a battle and performance from our boys today, and like you said before, and we got we they got the reward of the big three. Kevin, thank you so much for your call. Really, really, really appreciate it. I was talking for ages. Um, yeah, um, I'm sure I'm sure there'll be plenty of talking points from your points that you've just made there, and um. Mo, I'm going to come to you first on this because I think we're all absolutely ecstatic with the result and against this team as well and what a way to kind of respond to the critics. But for me, the the result is massively, massively, of course, um, down to the performance. And I want to go there because um, the first half for me in particular, what I kind of noticed was um, the Reds were kind of absorbing up a lot of the pressure, certainly in the second half. I thought City grew into that game. But the start of that game, the first five minutes, I thought Liverpool started off with some kind of demeanour, some kind of aggression. There was a lot of play on the right-hand side. We were all intrigued about the formation. Is it a 4-3-3? Is it a 4-2-4? We were very interested to see the role that Mo Salah will play in this, how close he will be in terms of with the other striker in Roberto Firmino. But I want to get your thoughts on that because I, for me, the, the kind of um, signpost of Liverpool particularly doing well is how well they start off. And I thought for the first five minutes they were in there and they look like they're wanting to play a game. Yeah, completely. Um, you know, the, the tempo to begin with was good. Obviously, Anfield, for a big game like this, is always, um, you know, on form, uh, well, to begin with at the start of the game. Um, but then if, if the team then starts off poorly, then that atmosphere can uh, become subdued very quickly as well. Uh, but the tempo, it was clear to see, was there right at the beginning it was nice to see, um, you know, one or two strong challenges go in right at the early going, uh, which got the crowd up. And then it just becomes a mutual thing where the players feed off the crowd, the crowd feed off the players. And, you know, on top of that, I think we won a corner early on, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, again, you know, that sort of thing um, gets us into into that right kind of um, mindset, you know, not only on the pitch, but again in the stands. So that was... Um, kind of an indication to me that you know these group of players know that they're better than the league table suggests. They know that they're capable of delivering a lot more. And 
you know, they, they were up against the team that, you know, some people, some pundits even were suggesting would wipe the floor with them at Anfield. And they were determined to say, no, are you joking? You know, we're Liverpool Football Club. You know, we're a group of top, top class players. We're not going to allow anyone to turn up to our home on our patch and humiliate us. And, you know, that that tempo, that message was set out right at the beginning and it really kind of set the scene for the rest of the game. It certainly did. And I'm I'm in the live Discord chat here and the Marishun one has just put in a squawk um, tweet saying, Alison has now provided more Premier League assists in 2022 than Jack Grealish. Um, Alison Becker there with two and Jack Grealish <laughs> <who> won. <laughs> I'm just going to share as I'm going. And, yeah. and uh, I'm going to come to you, Kay. I mean, because... I think most hit the nail on the head. I also like the, the gnarliness of, um, uh, was it Robertson? I think somebody came into him on a late challenge. Uh, was it, was it Silva? Probably. That, yeah, I think it was. And you just kind of like started pushing into him. But again, that kind of jeers the crowd up. But what did you make of, um, the red start and, um, uh, you know, you know, certain players like, you know, your Mosalas and things? I was very, very interested to see what would happen there with the formation. I- for absolutely, I think that's the one thing we were all absolutely intent on just uh, nailing down what what's exactly happening. The one thing I thought that we absolutely had to do was play Mo Salah centrally. I think that experiment with him being further out wide, or if there's means, you know, I'm not the tactical person, but uh, <laughs> I'm following accounts that are better than I am at this. But the, you know, he wasn't getting into the central areas, and the minute we do that, he comes off the bench to score a hat trick. He had to be more central. But what I think was, uh, you know, it really kind of surprised me at the, for the start of our game was looking at how intent we were on being compact. Um, it, it was, it, you know, our midfielders were, were in their position. They were maintaining their position. It wasn't, I'm not saying we were playing defensively. It's just in the defensive phases, we were absolutely sure, first and foremost, that we were covering the zones that we needed to cover. And particularly, I thought, in, in that respect, Harvey Elliott, uh, showed a discipline where, you know, he wasn't actually, I don't think he was really instructed to do that in other games. And I thought, I thought in this game, every single person had that, you know, first, first, we need to make sure that we, that, that we keep them out, that we, you know, there's yes. no free flow of chances. Mm-hmm. And then we build from there. And, yes. you know, going off from what Kieran said, what, what I feel is that that's absolutely correct. What, what, what Kieran was mentioning there, it feels like a big result. But it feels like a big one for, for a couple of reasons. Number one, it is a massive individual result in itself. But number two, given that we've had this formation change, um, players are looking to be more in positions where they can apply themselves perhaps a little bit better than previously. It, it feels like there's an incremental part to the, to, to the result as well. So, you know, it, it feels like we're, we're gathering steam a little bit, if I can put it, if I can put it like that. And that just that little defensive solidity to start the game with. Um, and then there were other things and we'll talk about that as we go along. But I thought that defensive solidity right at the start, City could feel that they had a couple levels to go up at halftime. I think that's, that, that might be what they felt. But I loved that we started with that. We held that solid and moved forward like that, just, just incrementally through the match. Um, and I think it, it kind of rocked City a little bit, put just a little bit of doubt in their minds that, oh, you know, we didn't think the game was going to go absolutely the way it did, compounded with their formation issues. But I, I enjoyed that about the start of the game. 
Absolutely. And Mo, I'm going to come to you and just something what Kay said there as well, and it was something that I kind of picked up on in the game as well, was um, uh, it was almost like, building from the back, getting the defensive work spot on. Because, you know, if you go back to the Arsenal game and how we lost and it was kind of defensive cock-ups and, you know, the way we conceded that penalty where we just kind of failed, failed to clear the ball. And, you know, I, and I am an absolute uh, sadist because I went back to watch them highlights and I was like, City are going to have so much joy if we are like that half arsed and not switched on because we know how they play and they can play passes through your box and through your defence like that. We've seen them do it time and time again against, you know, many teams uh, in the Premier League. It's easy for them. You know, they just have this um, cohesion and this telepathy, uh, telepathic understanding. And um, it was just madness. But, I mean, what did you make of, of like, the defensive aspect of things? Because I felt like everyone was working for each other. I think they knew Milner was playing right back and, you know, Kays there touched on Elliot and his hard work, but every time, you know, when Forden tried coming onto, um, onto, onto that side where Milner was, because obviously they were, they were matched up with each other, but I just noticed this massive willingness from the likes of Elliot and Joe Gomez, you know, just really busting a gut to kind of back him up and step up for him. And it was almost like they were all working for each other. Yeah, they, they, they were totally. And, uh, you know, I read a good stat from um, our colleague Simon Brundish, um, I think it was this past week, where he noted that um, I think the last time Liverpool were outside of the top eight, I think it was, that uh, we shored up defensively and then we went on a streak of, I think, 14 or 15 unbeaten. And, you know, I, th- I think we very much um, in the past week would have reflected on not only the Arsenal game, but also the one preceding that, where again in the Premier League we conceded three goals and just looked at how open we were defensively. And um, I think they not only looked at it tactically, but perhaps had conversations um, within the dressing room about, OK, well, you know, what are we playing at here? This is not us. Um, so today I thought, um, you know, there's clear evidence of that, you know, and it compounded the impressive performance in midweek against Rangers. And, you know, there were certain specific things. I thought Van Dyke, you know, he's... Um, been an absolute colossus for us and you know some of the criticism towards him over the last several weeks some even suggesting he's finished completely absurd and I think he wanted to show those critics and the world that you know he is still the elite um, centre-back in world football he is the measuring stick for all centre-backs and he showed it today I thought he was absolutely gargantuan at the back um, Joe Gomez, I felt, had his strongest game in perhaps three years. You know, there are times, um, you know, during pre-season and in the opening weeks of this season where, you know, he, he looked suspect. And I thought, look, is that old Joe that we saw pre that horrible knee injury ever going to be back? Well, today we saw that player. We saw him again. And I thought he was so, so good. Um, but you're completely right about others chipping in as well. You know, um, it was great to see our, um, you know, top midfield combination back together in Fabinho and Thiago. I thought that their shielding um, work in front of defence, uh, you know, on the whole was very strong, you know, that they provided that solidity um, in front of our back four um, that hasn't really been there for most of this season. And it was great to see Harvey Elliott um, support Milner. I mean, everyone was worried about how Milner would get on against Foden when the lineup was announced before the game. Um, but Elliot, you know, defensively had his best game by a million miles. I mm-hmm. thought 
the work he put in, you know, yeah. he, he was there, you know, almost the legs for Milner. You know, Milner, if he was left on his own against Foden, he would have been absolutely slaughtered. But, you know, Elliot's work today um, cannot uh, warrant enough praise. It was so, so good. And, you know, he really impressed me today uh, with, with his work rate and his ethic. And, um, you know, I, th- I thought, you know, defensively as a team, um, you know, we, we were so strong and, you know, very much like how we used to be um, last season where, you know, teams found us after the first, I think for the first six, seven games of last season, we started off poorly defensively again, and then we shored things up. And for the remainder of the season, uh, we were really, really strong. And, you know, that, that was what we saw again today. Absolutely, we certainly did. And uh, I love the fact that both of you kind of highlighted Elliot there. And I think a lot of people have noticed that. And such a young player as well. And like, that's just going to come with him. His defensive work will get better. Luckily, he's a young player, you can coach it into him. But yeah, um, a great, great team performance all, all round. Right, we're going to go to our next caller. Um, somebody who's just fresh out of Anfield, I assume. I'm, I'm definitely assuming it's Harinda. Harinda, are you there? It's not me. It's not you. It's <laughs> if they are right. Come on, you and you. Oh, do you know what? I felt that one massively. I think there's a fight <laughs> on the pitch. Believe you me. I think people in the stands are feeling the tension as well because it was really gritty, right? Like you know, like mm. it came across on TV, but it seemed like Liverpool knew what City were going to do. City knew what they wanted to do. And every time City tried to do it, they'd come close, but not quite get there. Like the crosses to Haaland for the headers and stuff like that. I was like, I I could do without that. Um, We all could. I can also do, yeah, I mean, I could also do without greedy bastard strikers. But if you didn't have a greedy striker, we probably wouldn't have won the match. So who knows? Who am I to to criticise strikers? But yeah, we realised today that it was the first match Dea had come back to her Anfield since she was mascot. Now, last time she came, we played another Manchester team and it was nil-nil. So Monday Mania, right? I remember that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a Monday, Monday night football. Around the same week, because it was half-term, it was about to become half-term in October and uh, 2016. And it's just become half-term now. Uh, it's half-term for our next week. And we came, we saw a different Manchester, uh, Manchester City, and they lost. So I'm very happy. So that's two and two for there, seeing Man City against Liverpool. Because she also came for Community Shield. So every time we play Man City, even the away match, I'm probably going to have to ask for spares and take there with me somehow. <laughs> um, but uh, overcoming that, I think the Reds did fantastic. I have to admit, I was like everybody else when I saw the lineup. Um, Milner in, I was like, going, and you see Trent on the bench. And these were the things you don't quite register at first, because I was thinking more about the attack, whether Nunes would start or not, whether he was going to start with Bobby or Jota. Um, and I knew Salah would start as well. Where he's going to go four two four? Is he going to go four three three? Is he going to go four two three one? And in the end, I don't know how we were playing in regards to formations, but whatever we were doing, we were doing well. There were points whereby I thought that we should have a better control of the second ball, which didn't quite happen. But in the end, you have to give credit where credit's due. The Reds dug one out. Like we needed this massively for our season and, and just for our own self confidence as fans um, and thank you Reds for delivering you know massively the, the one thing I would ask of the panel today then mm-hmm. is this we saw Harvey Elliott mature but still have 
nervousness in front of goal. So there's a point whereby, you know, he really should shoot. Really, in the first half, there's, you know, just shoot, man. Listen, we've seen you do that in the championship. You can bury it from there. We know you can. Just do it. So what would be the advice from the panel to Harvey Elliott in regards to having shooting confidence at the points whereby you sit there and think, you know what? That's the one to let go. What would it take? What would you say? What sagely words would the panel give such a young man? Oh, I like it. It's a good one. And uh, Kay, I'm going to come to you because there was, an, like like we've all said, you know, like we, we did come on to him a few times in, in the first half and, you know, it was just the, the lack of directness. And one thing that I noticed in the first half, I can't remember what minute it was, um, so please uh, do forgive me for that, but... I just remember Marcella giving um, Harvey Elliott the ball. And um, for me, it was a mess up of decision making on two parts. I felt like Marcella should have ran in between the two defenders and Elliott should have re- released the ball a lot quicker. And he kind of had it at his feet for a bit too long. Now, I know Harvey Elliott takes a lot of advice from Marcella. You know, he stopped eating white bread. He eats brown bread now. <laughs> you know, um, we, 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 you know we, we, we're moving up in the world. So I think what he needs to do, and I'd like to get your thoughts on this, is because... Um, I I did a pod a very very long time ago um, with um, uh, the the journalist's um, name escapes my mind but it was he wrote a book on all the um, players from uh, players from the African continent doing um, really really well just in world football and one of the focus was of course Marcella and um, apparently he was a very very hesitant in front of goal and when it, his time at Fiorentina he was told that you know just when you get the ball just be instinctive and shoot so do you think this is a time for Marcela to kind of be mentoring him in that regard I think he's got a really good mentor yeah there in, in Mo Salah and and this what Harry is talking about is absolutely perfect for that kind of thing but Mo both sorry both uh, Mo and Jürgen he's obviously got uh, what, what I think is at the moment you know they're just trying to they're just trying to get him involved in the games. They're just trying to let him do what he needs to do. But at at some point, they've got to address that. And I think that is the advice there, Nins. I, I think really the both of them have got to sit down with, with him and just say, you know, at some point, you, you do have to trust yourself. We trust you to make these decisions. You're on the field to make these decisions, and we trust you with that. Mo Salah trusts you with that. Jurgen Klopp trusts you with that. And, uh, you know, are you going to make the exact right decision every single time? No, nobody does that. You know, that, that, that's, I mean, Mo Salah makes some wrong decisions. Yeah, Jota makes some wrong decisions. Yeah, he made some wrong decisions. Yeah, yeah. And did. so did Nunes to make it. So did Yeah, you know, it happens. It happens. It, you know, th- that's football. You cannot make the right choice every single time. But in that way, what, what you have to do, and this is, this is when they have to gauge that, is if you make the wrong decision, you can come back and make the right one. You know, you can brush it off your shoulder and, and move forward. And I think that's what you just have to monitor in the kid. But as, as soon as he's ready, those are the words you need to send through to him. You know, you, the, I mean, one thing I'll add there is there was also a hesitancy in defense sometimes. Uh, Harvey Elliott wouldn't like stick a foot out. And I, I would back him on that. I mean, he's a young kid. You don't want to be giving penalties and dangerous free kicks and stuff away in very, very tense situations. And, and I thought he very much concentrated on getting his body in the way, but he wasn't really going to stick the leg out into very, very dangerous situations, uh, which turned out to be the right choice, you know. So after he gets some experience down into him, you know, after he, he feels more and more part of the team, I think then you've got to, you've got to sit down with him and, you, and you've got to say, like, yeah, you know, this is happening. 
uh, a little bit. We trust you. You should trust you. Go ahead, lad. I like it. Um, basically, it'll all come from experience. And, the, you know, when he starts nailing down other aspects of his game, like today we saw a defensive shift from him, that, that the goal scoring will come as well. More, what about yourself? I mean, what what advice would you give him? Where do you think he stands? And, um, yeah. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, so I, th- I think that um, one of the best bits of advice I could give is to perhaps um, just study some of the great tennis players. I mean, tennis obviously a very different sport, but it's one of these sports where if you wallow in a mistake um, for more than a few seconds, you know, before you know it, you could be, you know, two, three games down um, and then you, you've lost a set and then all of a sudden you've got a real uphill battle to get back onto an even kill. So, you know, the likes, you know, the great tennis players of our time, you know, the Federers, the um, Djokovic, you know, that they are ones who they may, you know, play poor shot, but straight away it's it's past, it's, it's history and they move on and they get their mindset adjusted right back onto um you know the, you know the, the kind of goal um which is trying to achieve which is to win win the match and it's the same for you know the great football players you know like mo uh, you know he we've seen him over the years miss some great opportunities but not only opportunities but even uh, decisions you know where sometimes he's gone for a shot when there was an obvious pass to play um, another teammate um, and that teammate was pr- perhaps better positioned to score and we even saw that today and yet despite that um, Mo um, has this immense amount of confidence and you know it, as you just touched on um, Mo is somebody that has almost taken Harvey under his wing and you know forget the tennis players but you know he's got an ideal person to learn from in Mo it has Harvey has Elliott so I think that um, it will all come I mean you know some of the great players um, of our time now, you know, if you think back to when they were the same age, age as Harvey, you know, they, they weren't quite as prolific and, and they um, all learned from uh, experience. And, you know, I, th- I think he's just got to believe in himself, have an unwavering belief, have the right people in his ear, ignore the detractors on social media and elsewhere. That's just noise. And if he stays focused and learns to be able to move on very swiftly from any mistake that he makes on the pitch, um, I, I think, you know, he is his growth could be immense. I mean, he is somebody that, you know, I'll be honest, I still have my doubts and reservations over. Um, but today, you know, against an opposition that could have really made him look um, like a second-rate player, you know, he, he, you know, I mean, yes, he, there were moments where he could have done slightly better here and there. But overall, I, I thought he was very impressive. And I thought that... Uh, that what he showed today was that he belongs on this stage. Uh, and that's the best compliment I can give him for somebody so young. So if he really remains focused, continues to work hard, listens to the right people, 
then I think that, you know, he potentially has a, a very strong future ahead of him. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, what a, you know, what a game to be thrown into and, uh, you know, to handle that kind of pressure. And it's great because, you know, of course, Man City uh, are in a, in a great position where they can, you know, really, really see their youngster in, in Phil Ford and really, really coming into his own and, you know, looking like a, a really, really good player. And, uh, you know, you want to see that kind of development and uh, you want to see Liverpool afford that kind of opportunity for Elliot as well. So um, long may it continue. Harinda, I'm going to come back to you. You've heard what the panel have said there. Um, are you satisfied with um, uh, the, the, the suggestions and the advice? Indeed, you know, sagely words from sagely people. I mean, other sagely words today are of a Stone Island constantly very, very sad and very upset and very quiet on the way home tonight. Um, but you know what? The, the, the last words really should go to there. There, what have you got to say? Up the reds. Indeed, up the reds. Oh! Yes. yes. Oh, love it, love it. You know, well I have done, a yeah. sip. Yeah, absolutely. I'm uh, so happy for you. And um, have a lovely, lovely trip home and have the best half term. Thank you. Okay, bye. No, bye. Right, so that was Harinda. Um, we've got another caller, so I'll quickly bring them in and then we'll carry on chatting about the game. I believe we have JC Tyrone. Let me just see if I can sort this out. You there? Hello, Nina. Hi, how are you? I'm very well after that result, I can tell you that. I bet you are, I bet you are. Right, well, the floor is yours. You know what you need to do, so go for it. Yeah, I, no, that, I was afraid there was a few... Uh, Doubters creeping back back into um, the Liverpool fan base. I think that result today definitely uh, made a few believers out of us. You know, I I was um, I was getting worried myself, but I think now if we get a good run, and I I remember Dave and Car speaking and scouted before about Haaland not really fitting into Man City's game plan. They don't really have a game plan for him, and. Um, it kind of looked like that today. Man City didn't look like much up front. And, uh, you know, credit to their defence. I, I thought they were absolutely fantastic, keeping their shape, keeping their heads. And, um, you know, James Milner pulling out of performance, man. You know, who thought who would have thought it? But um, just uh, the, the panel there, just really impressed me coming on. You know, Harvey, speaking about Harvey before, John Daly had the same analogy before about golfers you know the the, the golfers um, the pro golfer just forgets about a bad shot right away and mm. goes ahead right and sticks into the next one you know and and that's that's what harvey was doing today and you know really positive signs from carvalho or carvalho and harvey but i guess if the panel want to talk about darwin i don't know if he's got to the the substitutions yet but you know, there's something special there. You know, I'm a big believer in Darwin and I really want him to do well. But just wondering what the guys thought on Darwin's appearance. We haven't even got to the main strikers, let alone the subs. So, um, <laughs> you're ahead of us, Tyrone. But thank you so much. We're going to get on with this. Thank you so much for calling. Um, before you go, can you just type in your uh, Twitter handle in into the chat so we can obviously share it on social media and things? Um, it'd be really helpful. So um, thanks for that. No problem, Nina. Up the reds. Up the reds, right. Cheers. That was JC Tyrone. Right, okay, right. 
I think we're a bit behind schedule. So, um, Kate, I'm going to come to you. Let's just talk about the strikers in general. And, of course, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the sub of uh, Darwin Nunes and, of course, Jota's injury as well. Um, right, let's go there. Um, what did you make of the front three just in general? I thought they worked tirelessly. I felt like, you know, um, Akanji was having an absolute nightmare against, you know, Jota. Mo Salah was very, very involved. Uh, Roberto Firmino wasn't as central, but what I really liked about him was the fact that he was like kind of not afraid to get stuck into one-on-ones and kind of win the ball and press their defence and also work with the midfield. I felt like there was a lot of workhorsemanship and they all worked hard together and they were trying to find each other. Um, for me, it was just... My notes for the first half, and I'll stick to the first half first, was because obviously the second half was just batshit crazy and it started that way, was the fact that the, in the first half, the strikers looked really um, worked really well. All of them put in a very, really good shift. Just the end product isn't quite there. Yeah, no, I, I think following on from that, Nins, it was a really interesting performance from our strikers. I thought they all had very particular roles. To play in the game, Mo Salah was charged with like you know as soon as he gets the ball, it was driving forward, getting into the box and and pulling things apart. Jota, the amount of work that mm. Diogo Jota got through was ridiculous. He seemed to be everywhere along that left hand side. He was, I mean, he made a few defensive contributions that were absolutely off the scale. I thought it was just amazing. And then Bobby, Bobby, uh, you know, what is interesting was that we weren't really pressing from the front as, as aggressively as we, as we kind of, as, as we've seen in previous iterations of this team. I, I thought we kind of waited until Man City approached the midfield and the, the furthest yes. point of the midfield third, and then we kind of attacked. But Bobby had license to put pressure on wherever he felt and he he caught a lot of Man City midfielders napping, you know, as is his wont, which was great to kind of see. So I thought he had a really big contribution in terms of defense rather than attack in that first yeah. half. Um, but I, I do, you know, now that we have that, it, it, it felt like all the strikers were working in the roles that they knew well, that they were well versed in, and that everybody else on the team could have good relationships with that particular position. So... It all kind of worked really well in terms of defensive uh, solidity. It worked well when we were pressing. It it kept the defense of Man City kind of just honest enough uh, until periods of the second half, uh, really, to to just to just keep them in there and get us through at least into halftime. And I know our noses got not bloody, but we we took a couple of you know uh, a couple of decent jabs to the face in that first half. I thought Man City kind of won it on points if, if, if I could put it that way but it, they were not really putting their foot down because of what our front three were in that position to do and we've seen this in previous games Nins when the when our front men aren't working well in that manner then the system kind of suffers a little bit so it's great to see that they could apply themselves and they could work hard Absolutely spot on. Um, I I definitely felt that as well more. I'd like to get your thoughts on on the front three because I did notice that there was a bit of aggression in all three of them. They all kind of had like a function where, you know, I think in the past there's been criticism of, uh, uh, you know, like we're looking a bit like, I don't know, like we don't look aggressive. Our front men aren't pressing. And I think Kay's made a really interesting point there that, that it, there wasn't much pressing in terms of 
the attack more um, uh, you know Bobby was doing it more from the midfield and you know I, I saw him kind of put things in and uh, Jota was just being an absolute nightmare and Marcelo was just running at them and one thing I really liked was the fact that for the first time this season from the, the games that I've watched Man City in and obviously the highlights that we watch um, it, it felt like their back you know their defence did not like playing against our attack today no, that, that was very clear. Um, you know, I, th- I thought it was interesting today. I mean, you know, Kay's absolutely right. You know, that there wasn't really the pressing there in the way that we're accustomed to. And I thought some of that was deliberate in that um, it seemed like there was an, a greater emphasis today on maintaining shape. And uh, mm. I think that the worry was, was that, you know, by, by pressing the way that we normally do, um, City will you know, place these traps to kind of pull certain players out of position um, to then open up those opportunities to really get in in and around us. And certainly in the final third, um, you know, try and create those opportunities for Haaland. And, you know, Kevin De Bruyne is an absolute master at um, creating those types of opportunities. But, you know, there, there's, there certainly seemed an emphasis, certainly in the first half, to maintain a rigid shape and, and not let the game get away from us in the first half like we've seen too often um, over the last few months. Um, and I, th- I thought the f- front three was interesting as well in that Mo clearly um, was finally given the chance to come into a more central role and um, influence the game um, more greatly from there. And, you know, we certainly saw how well that worked in midweek against clearly inferior opposition in Rangers. Um, and I thought Mo was able to influence the game um, far more today um, by being pulled into a more central role um, than he had been um, for much of this season where, you know, he's, he seemed like an island almost um, separate to the rest of the team. And, uh, you know, whether that was a tactical thing or whether it was him or a bit of both, who who really knows except for him and the player coaching staff. But, you know, ultimately that seemed to be corrected today. Bobby was an interesting one in that I thought um, off the ball, some of his work was was, you know, good. But on the ball, first half, um, he was nothing short of atrocious. I thought yeah, some of his was passing, dodgy. Yeah, yes, yes, it was. Yeah, it was. Oh my word! It was like Bobby is frustrating worst. And I thought normally when he plays like this, he scores. You know, when, when he's this bad, he, he normally gets a goal. Um, so I was <laughs> thinking, okay, there's going to be some reverse juju's kind of going on here, and you know, he'll he'll nab us a goal despite being really poor on the ball. Um, but uh, it wasn't to be, there was no goal from him, but, uh, you know, it, he, he still brought something to the table. And then, um, you know, Jota, you know, quietly first half, I thought was, um, you know, very good. You know, I, th- I thought some of his, his work was good. I mean, some of his passing was again, leaving a bit to be desired. Um, some of the, you know, playing the final third, uh, you know, again, could be better, but some of his runs were really good. And I thought, you know, there were a couple of times where, you know, Mo could have played him in. Uh, there was one, you know, certainly in the, uh, towards the, back in the second half where, you know, he was absolutely shooing for tapping in a goal, but, uh, you know, Mo decided to go for it on his own. Um, I, I like that. And, uh, you know, the, the crying shame was, again, you know, he suffered an injury. Uh, it looked like a hamstring. And, you know, it might be that he'll be out for, you know, the remainder of this first half of the season leading up to the World Cup break. But, yeah, I, I liked what I saw from the front three. And, you know, there, there was certainly more there than I think we'd displayed in some of the other uh, Premier League games this season where, you know, the front three 
tactically seemed disjointed. I, th- I thought that you know that there was a bit more cohesion between um, attack and, and midfield, and uh, that that certainly had been absent to a greater extent in the in the games um, before today. So again, that that was a good, promising thing to see um, in the first half, and certainly in the second. Yeah, absolutely. I think you both nailed it. I think Liverpool were more obsessed with like sort of um, uh, more focused on keeping their shape and not you know being um, caught. Um, sort of napping in the in the wrong positions, and I was really really impressed with James Milner um, uh, not going on wonders like he normally does. Like he'll just do what he wants on the pitch. It was really good the fact that he kind of stuck to the assignment, and it helped everyone stay wherever they needed to be. And I agree with you. Yeah, we're going to go. Um, I I think you know, and Kay said something as well, and I felt like it was a, it was all about Liverpool just kind of holding on to their shape, getting their defensive work done first, and then if there's a pass on, play it and see what you can do and what questions you can ask of that Man City's defense. Let's move on to um, the 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 second half, and Mo, um, I'm going to come to you because it's you know I I think we went into that half like you know like when that half finished, I was like whoa, you know, City really kind of applied some pressure on us there. You know, they really had their foot on our necks in, in terms of, like, they, they started, like, sort of finding the passes and our defence had to be really switched on. And, you know, we contained them. We did well. It's really good that we didn't concede the goal. And, you know, you've got to hold on to the positives given the season that we've had. We come out into the second half and, my word, it just pretty much goes a bit gung-ho and a bit crazy because um, I think you kind of spoke about this. But, you know, Mo Salah, um, uh, you know, has has a pass, you know, from from Bobby Firmino when Edison makes a save. But you know, then there's talks that sh- should should he have like played it to Jota, who was just you know sort of occupying and could have had a tap in. I mean, where where do you stand on this? I mean, I thought it was a really really good save by Edison. I mean, I don't really blame Salah for taking a shot, but then hindsight is a wonderful thing. So, um, basically, what I want to ask you there is the fact that it all goes a bit batshit crazy from there because Edison goes down. And then, of course, Forden scores a goal directly from all that mismatch. And, um, of course, the controversy because VAR steps in and um, uh, Haaland was a naughty boy on Fabinho. He just basically body wrestles him to the floor and just takes the ball off him. And Pep Guardiola absolutely fuming, as he always is. I mean, what did you make of that whole thing? Because I felt like it, I felt like Anfield and the atmosphere and the tenacity and the tenaciousness turned up a notch within those moments. Yeah, it did. It did, really. It did. And, uh, you know, I, I thought that, you know, both teams would look to up the gear a little bit, up the gears a little bit in the second mm. half. Um, City especially, I mean, they um, they weren't looking just for three points to keep in touch with Arsenal at the top of the table. They wanted to kind of rule us out of the title race once and for all and, um you know, psychologically land a kind of knockout blow to us. And, uh, you know, I, I expected them to kind of ratchet up a, a little bit, um, you know, in the early stage of the second half. But I thought that um, in certain terms of that Mo chance, um, I thought he was right to take it on. I mean, yes, you know, Jota was making a fantastic run um, to his left and, uh, you know, had Mo play the ball in um, to Jota's path, then it probably would have been an easy tap in to an open goal. But it, to be fair to him, to, to, to be fair to Mo, you know, it's kind of hard to see from where he was running and the kind of angle he was coming at. Um, and also, it's a type of one on one situation where, you know, normally you would expect him to put that away. And he came very, very close. It was a phenomenal save, absolute world class save from Edison. Um, 
but no, you can't fault Mo. I mean, there are times, obviously, when he makes the wrong decision. It was, for me, the right decision to take that on. Uh, but then with the City, um, you know, effort as well, I thought that, look, um, you know, it was, it was a clear... Um, it was a clear infringement. It was a clear foul. You know, the the, the player had tugged um, at Fabinho's shirt, dragged him down. And not only that, I thought um, when the ball, you know, you know, uh, uh, as the phase of play carried on, uh, was pretty much in the hands of Allison, and then it was knocked out of his hands by um, Harlan. So, you know, in both counts, you could easily have ruled uh, the goal um, as being um, one that was, was not a valid legal one. And so it was completely the right decision. Um, but again, it was just weird and bizarre that um, Anthony Taylor, um, who happens to be from the Greater Manchester area, didn't pick up on either infringement and re- had to rely on VAR to correct him. Um, he had an absolutely atrocious game. And, you know, he we, we know that Premier League referees generally um, are amongst the worst in the world. But, you know, he sometimes takes the biscuit and uh, he had an absolute stinker. And, you know, on another day that could have cost us in the way that um, Michael Oliver's absolute stinker the week prior um, at least cost us a draw. And uh, I'm just glad that this time it it didn't make a telling difference. Yeah, um, he was dreadful and we will get into that. And for me, I'll be honest with you, I start getting a lot of anxiety because obviously all our players kind of crowded around him, didn't they, Kay? And you could see him like shaking his head saying, no, no, no. Um, because Alison was sort of protesting that he, you know, the ball was taken out of his hands. When I watched the highlights, um, at the replay initially, I don't like, I'm so glad that Harlan fouled Fabinho further up the pitch because mm. I think that would have been a 50 50 because I'm not a hundred percent convinced as a Liverpool spotter that Alisson had both hands and full grip and full control of that ball. I, I think he had maybe. I'd say about 80% of it, not a full 100. So for me, I still think that Anthony Taylor would have fucked up that decision massively. But the 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 Fabinho one was as clear as day. And I'm so grateful he did that because I think we could have potentially been sat on this pod seething at that situation. 100%. Absolutely. I, that, that foul on Fabinho was so blatant and so stupid. And I agree with you because we've seen it before in previous games. We've seen it before in Liverpool games referees don't kind of mind going in on the goalkeeper in that way. I, I do wish refs would just be consistent. You know, if, if we knew what the standard was, there wouldn't be an issue, but we don't know what the standard was. Mo, Mo Salah was literally wrestled to the ground yeah. a couple times mm. in this game. Mm. And, and Anthony Taylor, the best he can offer is surprised Pikachu face for the whole thing. You know, what are you, what are you doing? What do you get paid for? And, and it was only by the automatic process of VAR checking the goals and then going back to, to look at something that the, the, the incorrect decision was corrected. Um, I, I think we've just seen, you know, too many times this uh, boys club in the, in the refs, uh, mm-hmm. in, you know, the refs association, just, just absolutely pat each other on the back, make sure their buddies are fine. Never have to report to the public or to anybody really in, in terms of independence and, and just do what they want to and get away with these ridiculous decisions week after week. And it's not just us that's complaining. It's actually every Premier League club that complains about this absolutely ridiculous standard of defense, of, of refereeing. But that's the thing. You, you cannot, and my dad was messaging me during the game. He's saying, Oh, <clears throat> sorry, a lot of people are complaining about that decision, you know, Liverpool. And I'm, I just, what, what are you talking about? That was the most blatant foul 
that you could possibly do in that situation. Liverpool Manchester City is not a rough game. You're not going to get you know masses of huge tackles and that kind of thing. It just isn't that kind of game. That's about as blatant as it's going to get, and that's what it was. <laughs> you know? I was I was very grateful because, I, like as you said, I've I've got no confidence that the 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 Allison foul gets called totally. I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. I, I feel like the only way they give it for a goalie is when it's he's holding it and it's in his stomach and a striker decides to hack at it. Does that make yeah. sense? Then, then they might give it. And that is as blatant as anything. So It's I, as blatant as anything, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They can't really not turn away from that. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I mean, hey, I'll stick with you because it was all really, really erratic. Because then after that, I think Jota has a free header, misses... And then a few minutes later, Haaland again um, produces a save from um, Alisson. They, they seemed more up for it and more clinical in those moments. Um, it was just a mad, mad, chaotic, chaotic mess. And um, I was just thinking, oh, God, this is not looking good. This is not looking good. Um, what did you make of what did you make of that whole tenacious little phase of play where it was just kind of end to end? Yeah, so I mean, I thought on the whole, the whole pattern of the play was really interesting to me. I was just thinking about it as you guys were talking, um, you know, about everything and, and how the game was gone. I thought the lack of pressing from the front really set things up. I totally agree with Mo. Uh, Poise being made, you know, we were we were concentrating on our shape and just uh, maintaining our zones, controlling what we can control. And Virgil van Dijk is putting in a wonderful performance. So was Gomez. And we, we had that. So we got through the first half and that was fine. I think everyone was still pretty nervous at the end of the first half. It was just the tensest game ever. And as the game goes on, because uh, I know it happened in, in, in the WhatsApp group I was in, City was just starting to get through our right-hand side often. And, and what it was was that Foden was selling Milner down the line and then cutting inside. Yeah. And him between him and Gernagon, they they just had that down path and they were getting avenues to shoot at and it felt like it felt like it was coming it, it felt you cannot l- allow a team like man city to have an avenue like that so consistently during a game and i i put it in the whatsapp group and i said um jurgen klopp has got to make a sub now and and this is the thing we'll talk about nunes in time but what i thought that that did is it allowed the game to become more and more heavy metal whereas you know, coming up to it is more is more composed piece of music, if I can call it that, as a as a match. And at that point, subbing Nunez on, getting the Man City midfield and defenders to turn their heads towards a different threat now. And even though, and we can talk about that, but what I thought Nunez did do well was add that that spice into the game where you're not really sure what he's going to do. It was just it just all went a little bit mad. And in that way, I thought Liverpool just rope-a-doped Man City. Towards the end of the game, as we get beyond the goal, especially in City get ragged for some... You know, they, they don't really know how to create a chance from that. It, it, it just felt like the game got away from them. It, it structurally, the, 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 whole, uh, the whole control that they had was totally lost after that. They couldn't really get to the point where they could create chances again. It, it just totally killed it for them. So, yeah, I mean, and then, you know, that time where it's just back and forth, back and forth, and you, you, just, you just wonder, if we don't score here, 
if Man City scores here, is all this hard work gonna gonna go away? I'm, I, you know, I really in my head, I'm thinking we've played quite well until uh, until this point. Is is it gonna be one of those pods where where I, I'm sitting here trying to get people to, you know, to, we we've played really well. It's just this result comes in this context of all these other all these other results, and and it has the danger of pulling us back into that mire of what we're feeling before. So. I, I didn't like that. I didn't like the openness because when it's when it's so open like that, you kind of expect Man City to to take it away, especially when they have that conduit down the right that they are exposing time and time again. As it turned out, that whole thing worked for us. Uh, it, it became heavy metalish. Um, we got them. You know, the counters started working. Everything started going our way. We had a lot more chances down the second half. And like as I say, it, it felt just listening to you guys now. To me, it felt like a kind of a rope dope that Jurgen Klopp pulled in and. I yeah. love the bloody brilliant. <laughs> yeah, for me, the second half felt more like a Liverpool performance. And what I liked was, um, uh, you know, the end-to-end stuff. It felt like maybe Liverpool would have some end product. And more, I'm going to come to you because, of course, you know, that game, we were kind of probably fascinated in terms of which manager would make the first changes and bring the subs on first. And obviously, we know that obviously Man City have so much riches on their bench. But Jurgen Klopp is the first one to react on 70 minutes, makes a triple sub. Takes off Bobby, Fab, and Elliot. There's a bit of a mix-up. We thought Mo Salah was coming off guard. Imagine if that happened, we would have had. We wouldn't have. Had, what would have happened? Ooh. Think about that. Think about that. If that <laughs> actually stood, food for thought. And of course, Nunes, Hendo, and Cavalio come on. Seventy-five minutes. I mean, I want both of you to talk about the goal, but seventy-five minutes, Mo. Um, your namesake. Um, uh, delivering the goods, but Ali there. Being the, the, the being the output, being the 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 goalie, this you know the the keeper that can get an assist. What a ball by him to find Marcela there, puts the defender on the ass one on one with Edison. I'm screaming all day because I know what Marcela is going to do, and the beauty of that um, uh, Morchatra is the fact that that goal comes from directly from a Kevin De Bruyne free kick that Alisson saves and just releases the ball across field to um, Mo Salah. Just absolutely beautiful because we've been done so many times this season by those kind of things. So talk to me about that goal, the emotion and the build-up to it. It gave me some kind of Man United vibe at Old Trafford the season we won the league. I don't know, but talk to me. <laughs> yeah, it was almost a carbon copy in a certain way. I mean... Alisson releasing early and uh, falling over as well. And, you know, finding Mo beautifully well, um, turning Cancelo like a charm. And then he was one-on-one against uh, Edison. And second time round, he wasn't going to mess up again. And it's not as if he messed up the first time round. He was more a great save from Edison. But second time, you know, he was going to play a slight dink um, to give Edison no chance, slot it away beautifully and Anfield erupted and my living room did as well me and my boys were absolutely over the moon and uh yeah it was just arms everywhere and uh you know it was just absolutely delightful stuff and we deserved it I thought you know Kay's completely spot on you know it was complete rope adult football you know first half of the second half we only managed 37 completed passes so we were clearly um aiming to hit them on the counter we knew that they'd start um, losing a bit of shape as they pressed and you know advanced further forward to try and get that goal um and there were gaps at the back and you know um, you know, Alison's quick thinking again, Mo being ready and expecting almost um, 
Allison to uh, you know get that ball quickly up the field to him. Um, all was you know superbly well done, and uh, you know the the goal, the finish, the eruption, the emotion was just everything that we all live for. So it was just beautiful. I absolutely loved it. I I am smiling just hearing. I mean the fact that you noticed the dink as well. I'll be honest, when he was on one, I just started screaming. I was like, if I, so confident, so cocky, and so arrogant. But it's more Salah, isn't it? Okay, I'm gonna come to you. I mean, talk to me about that goal and the emotions and just everything about that. And you know the beauty of the fact that it was their free kick as well. It was. You know what I love is um, we never ever talk about Alison on these pods just because he's so consistent, does so much. And, you know, I'm thankful we get a chance to do that because often his performances just go by. But he looks about and I'm watching him and a couple of times in the game, he's looking for this out ball. He's looking for it to go. I must say in the first half, especially, there were a couple of times when Liverpool were literally playing long balls, you know, long speculative balls. They weren't long passes. They were long balls. And I, I, I really don't like when we do that. Um, in the second half, it was much more directed. Our, our shape was supportative of the counter-attack and then you know i mean he lets it go when when mo dumps the defender i think it was cancelo when mo dumps cancelo it felt like um it felt like torres at old trafford vibes and you know vidic is just saying looking along okay maybe the facial expression wasn't there but but you just saw on his face especially in the replay he knew exactly what was going on mo was through the first time and it was only a crazy save by edison that had saved them to that point. It wasn't going to happen again, as Mo says. And when he when he gets there, the eventual shot when it happens, it, it was like Edison wasn't there. It, it was like he just went through him. It was just like fresh mm-hmm. air. And he just, it was the most sure thing on the planet. And mm-hmm. he just wheels away. And you cannot believe that this is happening again. You know, it's, it felt like just what it's absolutely supposed to feel like. That is Mo Salah. That is Liverpool. We you know, lit up Anfield doing exactly what we're supposed to do. And the way this season has gone, to see that and to have that nostalgia back just felt so absolutely incredible. Such a release of emotion. You know? And I totally agree with you. It did feel like Mo Salah at, uh, at, at, uh, you know, against Manchester United as well. Definitely those vibes. But I just love seeing... Uh, the defender on his ass just looking on as Mo Salah runs away from you. Ah, oh, it's beautiful. I loved it so much. And yeah, I mean, that's the reason my voice is kind of threatening to fail me now. <laughs> it's because of the scream I let out when that happened. Yeah, and right in front of the cop as well. I mean, I just don't think you get more iconic than that. And Mo, I'm going to come back to you because, um, you know, JC Tyrone made the, the point of um, Nunes and Kay spoke about him as well. But, you know, obviously, Nunes had only been on the pitch for five minutes at this point. And what I noticed was after that goal, he started causing a lot of problems, you know, down the left. What I found was he was kind of working more down the left. And, you know, again, he was causing a lot of problems, um, taking on their defenders. They looked quite scared as well. He was showing what he was all about, running at their defence. Won a free kick again against Akanji. I thought he was really, really a nightmare. You know, every time he had the ball, he looked like he had some kind of purpose. He had some kind of directness. The only thing was, of course, um, I think it was around about 87 minutes. This Again, this podcast is everywhere. Um, around about 97 minutes, um, a little bit of poor decision from him because Mo Salah was literally free. 
Um, he could have just squared it to him and, you know, Mosala gets to them. We take a lot of pressure off. But as a whole, um, the, I am nitpicking here because I thought he came on. And, the, uh, you know, in the past when we've made subs to our attack, it's the front three and then a drop off in quality. And I didn't notice that is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, I mean, I felt that when the goal went in, um, you know, it came at a great time in that, you know, City don't have a huge amount of time left in the game to build up real pressure and create loads of chances. So I felt that the best way of defending against them would be to attack. And I thought that was something that, you know, uh, Nunes brought to the table because, you know, his pace is, is superb. I mean, he beat uh, a kanji in a foot race, and a kanji is very quick. So for him to um, outpace him um, on the left, uh, you know, showed you know just how how quick the guy is, and uh, you know he was causing them trouble. He, he caused them trouble a few, uh, well, nearly what two and a half months ago, three months ago, um, in the uh, community shield, and was a real handful for them then. And I think I think they were worried and slightly trepidatious about you know what he could do against them. And uh, you know I thought I thought that uh, again on another day with um, maybe a calm head, you know he could have scored one, assisted one. Certainly Mo was easily in for what should have been a comfortable goal um, to completely um, finish the game. Um, but I mean I could see why he went for it. You know he's. Desperate to score, you know, a big goal in the Premier League. And, you know, he's, he's scored a few already this season. But, you know, on this stage, it would have, again, done wonders for his confidence. Um, and, you know, we've seen Mo go for these types of um, opportunities plenty of times. So, you know, that that's what, you know, top, top, you know, goal scorers do. You know, they back themselves. Um, so, you know, how, how do we ended up drawing the game and, you know, that opportunity, um, you know, going by the wayside and not taking advantage of it and um, costing us two points, you know, then I perhaps would have been feeling a bit different towards him, but, you know, look, he, he came on, he did what he was supposed to do, was a handful for City. I mean, their, their defence, you know, in the certainly closing stage of the game was all out of shape and slightly understandable. Obviously they were trying to get back into the game and score. Um, but look, you know, that that's the sort of thing that I think, Klopp's decision to start him uh, on the bench um, proved to be, you know, uh, the right decision almost in that, mm-hmm. um, you know, coming off the bench and posing that kind of threat, um, you know, created that bit of doubt in, in City and they weren't ultimately creating loads of, you know, clear-cut chances at the end of the game. And part of that, is, I think it was because we brought, you know, somebody so strong um, to attack them and uh, they weren't flinging everything in the kitchen sink up front because they knew the threat that he posed as well as Mo. So, you know, that, that you know, is something that, you know, Klopp should be applauded for. I mean, he's, you know, Klopp's had plenty of criticism and some of it has been justified over recent weeks for um, some of his, you know, selections or tactics or, you know, in-game decisions. But I thought today, he, you know, he had clearly a very strong game and he outthunk, um, you know, uh, Pep Guardiola. I thought he clearly um, got the, the better of... Um, you know, the chess game between the two today and, um, you know, the the substitutions I thought were all part of that. And again, you know, bringing on three subs um, can certainly disrupt the rhythm and the flow yes. for a team. 
And, you know, that certainly didn't prove to be the case. I thought all three um, play their part and, you know, it was something that worked well. So hats off to Jurgen Klopp. You know, he, he had a blinder today, despite the sending off. He absolutely did. And it's not like Pep Guardiola to overthink uh, tactics, is it? And <laughs> it's not. And Kay, I'm going to come to you because, of course, you know, we're loading so much of everything. But can we give like a shout out? I thought the midfield worked really well, you know, considering what was in their midfield as well. I, you know, I think, you know, Fab was absolutely uh, an absolute shithouse in that, in that midfield. I thought Tiago does Tiago things, you know, the past masters. And it was quite, it was, I don't know, maybe quite iconic to see a player like, you know, Tiago and Kevin De Bruyne kind of face up each other in the, in this kind of game. But I thought the midfield did exceptional. But, you know, I think a lot of people will be focusing on our defense and certainly the center back pairing of uh, Joe Gomez and uh, Virgil van Dijk. And, I think one thing that was really, really impressive um, from Joe Gomez, and uh, he he got player of the man of he got man of the match um, for Sky Sports. But it, I felt like for some parts he was maybe doing two man's job there in terms of maybe covering and tracking back for James Milner as well. Certainly in the second half, and he was doing it a lot in the first half as well. But one thing I loved was you know there's a lot of questions on Virgil Van Dijk, and I think around about 81 minutes when we were ahead. He does vintage Virgil van Dyke things when a cross mm. comes in and, you know, Haaland is just then, he's just going to like bury it home and he just gets up there, leaps up before everyone and just puts it over, over our crossbar. But just the, the switching onness of our defense, which I have to give them so much credit for because one second and you're off the game against that team and you're done. That's it. That's absolutely it. And, I mean, it's absolutely correct what you're saying there, Nins. I think what we have to start understanding is that when you, you know, the way Liverpool plays, everybody is involved in some way in the attack. And it's true for the defense as well. You have to play your role in the defense. It's it's a team game and perhaps even more so than attacking because maybe your attacker can pull out something uh, you know, by themselves, some, some bit of skill or trickery or mastery or things like that. With defense, it's absolutely got to be the team going back there, cutting off channels and doing some things. And that way, your central defenders like like Virgil van Dijk and like Joe Gomez, they understand their role a lot better, what they have to do. You, if, if, you, if, you allow, if you have a centre-back doing too much stuff, they are going to look inept. They are going to look like they don't know what's going on, that the defence itself is very porous, as it has been in recent, uh, in recent weeks. But that's because we've had deficiencies across the field. And then you have overloads in particular positions. Um, there was the one recently where Trent was like four on one. You can't defend four on one. You know, th- th- there's an overload that's really bad. And to, to overcome that, you have to have help from your midfield and, and other players on the team. And I thought that's what Liverpool got really, really correct today. When you help out your defense, it allows a player like Virgil van Dijk to pick with his awareness and 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 his understanding of the game to be able to pick the right decisions moment after moment after moment and we saw a few times today he absolutely rose back to his colossal status a lot of people were saying things about that you know oh you know as mo said you know is he finished and what that's ridiculous absolutely ridiculous he came to the he came in and he was allowed to do what he does best because the midfield was very um disciplined because yeah. the midfield was holding their zones and then just by passing off and that's what i'm saying that that comment about um elliot uh it, it was certainly look he's got a lot to learn 
But just being there at the right place and the right time, it means that somebody like Joe Gomez on his side understands that, okay, you've got this passing lane covered. I can now understand better what the attacker is thinking and what they're most likely to do so I can cover this zone or this pass or this player. And and that's what they're allowed, allowed to do. You know, you can allow players like Virgil van Dijk, Joe Gomez, Joel Matip to to do more perhaps than the normal defender in particular situations. And because they're so exceptional, they can come on. But you can't expect them to do it in every single defensive um, defensive action of every single game. You know, that, that, that's, a, that's overload. It's too much for anybody. So when you have that great base, it allows your defense to do the work that they're supposed to do. And that's what we saw today. Absolutely. I can't wait to see some running stats and, and see what, what shift the, the lads put in and how many how much distance they covered. Mm. Mo, Mo, I'm going to come to you. I mean, talk to me about the, the defence and then um, what we'll do is we'll move on to Klopp's red card and the build-up to that. But what did you make of just the discipline of that defence? Because again, we're talking about, you know, the old Liverpool coming back, but you know, like one thing that we always praised Liverpool about was having a great defence. And obviously this season, that's been quite questionable. So what do you make of Kay's comments there that, that, you know, it all starts from everyone holding their positional space, everyone being aware, everyone working for each other. And I felt like the midfield certainly, certainly helped us set up the defence today. Yeah, it did. Um, I thought that it was, I was so pleased to see Fab and Thiago back together again. Um, I don't. I'm not even sure they've started together more than once or twice this season. Um, so far, too little, anyway. Um, so it was it was really good, and I thought that collectively um, they they played a huge part in um, us being def- defensively sound. I thought that uh, Van Dijk had you know that point to prove that I mentioned earlier on. Milner was the one that we were all worried about, but um, you know I thought that uh, you know he he played as strong a game as he has um for a long long time i thought that um you know he, he i think he is smart enough to know what he can and can't do and especially against um, an absolutely fantastic player in phil foden and i thought that uh elliot and and joe between them uh, provided milner with you know adequate support so that uh milner you know handled himself uh, in a respectable fashion and I thought uh, overall he put in about as good a performance as he could have done you know at times this season he, he's looked like a player that doesn't even belong in the Liverpool team and I still think that you know if it was up to me he, he wouldn't be at the club anymore perhaps be um, seeing out these final one or two years of his career elsewhere but the point is he is at our club he is one of our players and he was asked to play a pretty important role today um against um you know an absolutely impeccable player in Foden and you know looking at the heat map for the game um City's um tactics were very much focused on um you know attacking that side of our pitch and um targeting Milner and you know they weren't able to fashion um you know, much in the way of clear-cut chances um, from that side. And so all credit to him, Elliot and Joe for, um, you know, the job that they did. And I thought that um, Alisson as well um, was strong. Uh, Robbo, obviously, um, you know, he's working his way back into, um, you know, 
proper form. But, uh, you know, there's some elements of his game today that were very good. Other elements that were quite frustrating, notably in the first half when, you know, a shot fell to him and, you know, it was probably the last play he'd want that shot to fall to on the edge of the box. And, you know, just as night follows day. Um, so sure enough, he skied that shot. And, you know, typical Robbo, um, you know, what, what, you, what you see is what you get with him. Um, but a real... Um, you know, heart on sleeve kind of performance and, uh, you know, very much uh, key to getting that passion and atmosphere going in the stands. And, uh, you know, I, I was just delighted to see, you know, a clean sheet kept against that team, you know, one of the most prolific free scoring teams in world football um, to shut them out and really limit their chances as well. I mean, their XG uh, was one for the whole game, just over one. So again, all credit to, you know, our players, our defence, uh, you know, for keeping their uh, the quality of their shots uh, so low overall over the, over the 90 plus minutes. Mo, um, uh, I'm going to stick with you. Um, you you kind of touched on the Klopp's red card there. Klopp saw red and got red. And I think he got very, very angry at the build up to, um, uh, you know, what um, what happened with Marcelin, Bernardo Silva, you know, the whole shirt grabbing on the right hand side, you know, completely just wrestles him. In front of the linesman as well, and we've all kind of touched on how piss poor the officiating was, and I felt like at this point Anthony Taylor completely lost grip of the game. Klopp's absolutely fuming, gets a red. I mean, um, can he protest it? I don't know. I've not watched the post-match um, uh, interviews or anything, um, but... You know it's serious when Mo Salah is actually squaring up to Bernardo Silva. Um, I want to get your thoughts on on that whole thing about Jurgen Klopp getting a red. I mean, do you think it was justified? I I, I think it was a bit harsh, maybe because I'm a Liverpool supporter. Yeah, so look, I mean, the referees are under instruction this season to allow games to be a bit more free-flowing and to therefore allow, um, you know, some things that may otherwise in previous seasons have been called a foul um, and resulting in a free kick to be instead um allowed for and uh, this though was just on a completely different level i mean this was uh bernardo silva who's a complete rat of a player um you know when, when he's not leaning against doors pretending not to be seen instead um of trying to make any effort to play the ball uh was almost trying to do a sergio uh ramos impression from the uh, champions league 2018 final you know, just an absurd foul, so clear cut. And Klopp was justified completely in getting angry because it was the most blatant foul that you'll ever see right in front of the linesman. And the linesman didn't flag it. And as usual, Anthony Taylor um, didn't call it a foul. Um, so Klopp, Klopp was right to be angry. And I think what resulted in the red card is he um, got right up to the linesman when the linesman was. Um, going past the Liverpool technical area and, um, you know, they, they felt look, that that was crossing the line. I mean, it was it's an emotional game and the emotion in that stadium at that time uh, was, you know, you know, 10 out of 10. So it's, uh, you know, easy to understand why, why Klopp reacted the way he did. I mean, he didn't do anything wrong physically, I thought. I mean, he, he got very close to the linesman. Um, I think it was more for the for what he said to the linesman, though, that resulted in the red card. I mean, could it be turned over? I don't think so. So we'll probably end up with um, Pep Linders, um, who's not everyone's cup of tea at the moment, um, be, being... Um, 
you know, fronting up at least one game, I, I would suspect, which will probably be in midweek. But uh, yeah, I mean, for Mo to get riled up in that way um, is unusual. And it was justified again because the officiating was, was so poor. It was really poor. And even, you know, by Premier League standards where officiating is not of a high standard, um, Andy Taylor had a shocker. Um, but despite that, luckily, it, it didn't cost us, um, the, the, you know, the three points. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know what to say other than, you know, this keeps on happening um, far, far too frequently in the game. Um, and until there's serious reforms made, uh, we'll unfortunately continue, continue to see this. And the only hope we can have is that, you know, maybe on one occasion where it's important, it will actually count for us. But it often seems to count against us. But luckily today, it didn't cost us points. Thankfully, thankfully. Yeah, because the last thing I wanted to be was seething over a poor result and the referee was largely at hand for it. Kay, what did you make of Klopp sending off? And I'm really, really intrigued what he said to the linesman now because I know Klopp's got a point now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think it's really, it's really hard to watch what happens to Mo Salah every single game, let alone all the refereeing atrocities that we've seen over you know over multiple seasons um which last season actually decided the the league you know if, if you want to look at it that way and you can say um you can say uh, roundabouts and whatnot and it, it doesn't work like that it's not supposed to work like that that's not how life works it, it, if there's a bias it will be a bias and will continue throughout the entire season but particularly on Mosul, i think it's really difficult to sit there and watch him get wrestled time after time after time after time, and the refs just refuse to do anything ever about it. And, uh, you know, on a few occasions, and the other thing is, you can look at somebody like Jim Beglin. Jim Beglin, who is in, you know, at, at one point, it was him and Peter Drury who was like the best commentary team that you could get on, on telly. Jim Beglin has got this like thing against Mo Salah now. You, you cannot do anything to Mo Salah and, and be in the wrong. You can wrestle him however you want to. And Mo Salah, no matter what happens, will get called a diver. Despite the fact that we have several other players in the league who are genuinely divers. I mean, there was a stat going around today. Everton's Anthony Gordon. Uh, Everton have played like eight games um, prior to, to this game week. He's gotten five yellow cards and so had to sit this game out. Four of them were for diving. You know, and but he will never be labeled that. You had the Harry Kane incident, but it's Mo Salah who continually gets labeled with this while mm. simultaneously being wrestled all the time. I think it's just really hard. I, I, and in, in a way, it might be that the red card hopefully will force people to, you know, the authorities to look at stuff like this and review these decisions. Say, How could you possibly have made Jurgen Klopp so angry that he's got his face in the assistant linesman's face? You know, and uh, it's, it's, I mean, there was such a height difference that I would also be running away. The little, <laughs> the little guy just seemed like he knew <laughs> he was unsafe. But yeah, I, I mean, it's it's not ideal for us. It's not ideal, but I, I certainly understand where that's coming from. In the heat of that moment, in such a huge game, and the ref is just not calling these things. And like we, we've discussed before, Nins, if if it wasn't for uh, and what seems like an automatic process from VAR. If it was left to the on-field decision, City would have had that one goal lead and it would have been the wrong decision. Then, and then, you know, the whole way through, other stuff is happening. So I, I, can, I can understand what Klopp was going through. I share his sentiment, absolutely. I, I share your sentiment. 
I would love to know what he said. And I hope they review it. And I hope it, it makes them look at the decisions on field after this. Because yeah, I mean, we meant, we've said it so many times. The refereeing standard is absolutely in, the, in hell at this point. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And I, I like the fact that obviously when Bernardo Silva and Salah were kicking off and the Virgil van Dijk got involved and he kind of taught, he kind of pushed Virgil van Dijk and Virgil van Dijk kept his cool. And when he was mouthing off, I, I love the fact that Virgil van Dijk really don't yeah. listen yeah, yeah. to him like you little shit, you know, I'll, I'll floor you. And then uh, Harlan had to come in and kind of be somewhat of a peacemaker or kind of show some kind of authority. I don't know. But yes, I'm so glad it did not have a massive impact. I'm very, very interested to see what happens now. And yeah, Pep Linda's midweek should be fun um, for a lot of people. Let's see how that goes. Guys, is there anything you kind of want to talk about from the game? Something that needs highlighting? Something that you feel needs issuing before we go to Man of the Match? Mo, I'll come to you first. Anything you want to kind of talk about? And you might as well do your Man of the Match as well. Okay, I mean... One stat um, to just share with everyone. Liverpool today generated five big chances. Five. Ooh. That is incredible. Hardly anyone generates that against City. So mm. for us to do that against uh, them lot uh, was absolutely amazing. And that's why I felt that, you know, again, on another day uh, with some cooler heads and whatnot, uh, we, we should have scored three or four of those five big chances at least. So yes. you know, all hats off to um, our our tactics to our manager to our forward line to our midfield uh, for making that happen um but yeah delightful overall um, what better way to uh, you know bring a, week, a weekend to an end um than to see the liverpool team um score a massive famous victory against um uh, that blue team from your part of the world so i was, I was delighted yeah. about that Man of the match, man of the match for me uh, today was Joe Gomez. I was delighted for him. You know, he's had a really tough time of it, uh, you know, with injuries and then, you know, seeing other other players get selected, um, partly because of the fact that he had been injured for a while. Um, so, you know, it was a big game for him, um, stepping back alongside uh, Virgil. And, uh, you know, he was immense against arguably the hottest striker in, in the world in Haaland. You know, he kept him quiet um, for pretty much the whole game and uh, barely gave him a sniff. And so for him um, to handle him, to give support to Milner, uh, who's drafting it right back alongside him. And, um, you know, on top of that, to uh, still play some, you know, good forward passes as well, uh, which he did. I, I thought it was absolutely huge for him. So I was delighted because, uh, you know, there were, there were, you know, serious concerns at one point that we would never see, you know, a, a prime elite level Joe Gomez ever again because of the severity of his injury. Uh, so for him to pull out the performance that he did today, uh, I couldn't be more made up for him. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, it's good to see Joe Gomez, especially when he had that horrible game against Napoli as well and people thought he was done and you know how people are reactionary. JC Tyrone there, Alice and Becker, man of the match for him, player of the season so far. Would agree with you on that one. I think he has been the one that has not embarrassed us in any way, shape or form or himself. What about UK? Any talking points from the game? That is a really, really fabulous stat there by Mo. Uh, you know, the fact that five big chances, I'm, I'm really thrilled with that. Um, any key moments that you feel that like need highlighting and your man of the match? For me, I think the key thing is that we've looked at previous games from Liverpool and what's come out was that the setup 
was just not working. It, 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 we couldn't get good things out of the, the players. And Nens, it's something you and I have discussed in previous managerial regimes. When one player is doing something wrong, you, there is a possibility, a high possibility that you can say that player is incorrect, that they're not applying themselves or uh, whatever you want to use, energy, passion, all those words. And when many players are doing it, that is a managerial or coaching issue. There's something wrong with the setup. If, if everybody is not being able to fit in with that, then that's, that, that's something wrong with the system. And what I'm happy about is that Klopp and the managerial team have looked at that and gone, right, we need something else. We need a different way to set up. And um, they've, they've changed that. They've come through that difficult game at Arsenal. Okay, not with a great result, but with slightly better performance. And then Rangers went, this really solidifies it, that they have committed to this and that this new tactical setup can help us move forward. Everybody is allowed in this setup to be able to apply themselves in the correct way. You know, we've got Mo Salah back. We've got the, the, the Virgil looking really good again. We've got the midfielders doing what they're supposed to be doing. So that, for me, is the absolute hugest thing to come out of the game. We can now start looking forward to the next games with this renewed optimism that we can find not just solutions for what the opposition has, but going forward, I think it makes Jurgen Klopp's life a lot easier. He can, you know, he can concentrate on tweaks in the system and then managing the players' times, uh, which is, you know, it's brilliant, in, especially in this um, World Cup mm. uh, interrupted season. So the, for me, that is a huge, huge positive to come out of th- this period and in this game that it's that the system has passed this huge milestone uh, successfully is is everything for me. Um, yeah, man of the match. If I move it on to that, I. I love that Joe Gomez is, is getting uh, is getting praise from this. Uh, it would have been my man of the match if uh, if if Mo didn't put him up. I'm I'm so happy for the guy. He comes across as a wonderful person and such a lot of talent. Wonderful footballer, and he he's done so well today. I think you could also highlight Allison has as has been. Virgil did absolutely brilliantly. Jota was amazing, and even to an extent, I th- I thought Harvey did really really well uh, in his role. Um, for me, just to to uh, gather all the sentiment of of what I'm saying, I might just give it to Mo Salah just because he the the performance that he had today for me is one of the biggest indicators that we've gone back to a system where everyone works in it. So yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I I hope we're looking towards the end of the season and Mo is once again in that running for golden boot and you know that that's a big indication things have worked. So yeah, I'll I'll do it for that reason and just to to help highlight someone else. But yeah, thanks, Nancy. I love that. You can't be mad if uh, Marcel and Joe Gomez are up for man of the match and Ali's in for a shout and Elia yeah. and, you know, Tiago's and your Fabinho's and Jota's. Just to show that, and Virgil van Dijk, it just goes to show they played really, really well as a collective. I ain't mad at that. Personally, mine was Joe Gomez because I'm just kind of watching the shift that he was putting in and the, mm. uh, the alertness that he had in defence because, again, one, one foul move or one wrong move and, you know, it all unraveled. Mm. But both of those are great shouts. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Before I let the panel go, I want to know where you can, I want to get some plugs on where you can find them on social media. Kay, I'll come to you first. Where can people find you on social media? And is there anything you'd like to plug? Uh, nothing to plug, but you can get me on Twitter. And my handle is the underscore KYLN. So it's the kiln. Um, 
you can catch me on there. Uh, you know, tag me and we'll have a chat about whatever you want to talk about. Uh, it's mostly Liverpool, a lot of other stuff as well. <laughs> if you like a mixed bag, come and chat. Yeah. Speak here and ask him about knitting or something, something really obscure. Let's see if he's got the answer. <laughs> you made the rod for your own back. That's it. <laughs> please do give him a follow. He's an excellent follow. And Mo, I know you've been a little bit busy, so um, please do share with our listeners. And where can people find you on social media? Thank you, Nina. So, um, yeah, I've just put out another Money Talks um, over this weekend. So uh, it's covering the um, subject. With, uh, timing's not brilliant, but uh, it was covering um, our recent slump. And so looking at perhaps some of the reasons why, uh, from a business perspective, um, also one or two non-business angles to it as well. Um, so I was joined by Trev uh, Downey, the magnificent, wonderful Trev, um, to talk through those subjects. Um, and that's out right now. Um, and on social media, I can be found. Um, probably the best place to find me is on Twitter, um, where I sometimes tweet about football and even occasionally about other stuff like wrestling of all things. And my Twitter handle is at Mochatra, M-O-C-H-A-T-R-A. Also, give Mo Chatra a follow. And uh, might I make a suggestion to you, Mo? Maybe do that podcast every weekend. Not superstitious <laughs> or anything, but, you know, you might be onto something there, you know. Um, yeah, give both of these a follow, guys. Thank you so much for listening. A massive thank you to all our callers. Really enjoyed that result. Really enjoyed that performance. Really enjoyed doing this podcast. And I am so going to enjoy Match of the Day on repeat again and again and again. Well, up until Wednesday anyway, because there's another game coming up. My word, I'm so busy, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Take care. Till next time, up the Reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index. And find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.